Turn with me uh, to the, the book of Isaiah. Uh, I'm going to dive right into our sermon today, and I'm looking forward to sharing this message. This is the, the second part of a, of a sermon that I began last week when we were talking about a God who hides himself. A God who hides himself. We've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, prayer and feasting, excuse me. I made sure I, I, I feasted one last time yesterday. Dieting starts tomorrow. Uh, but man, we've just been seeking God. It's been so fun. And I just love reading all the, the miracles that God has done this week. Thank you to everyone who got on our Facebook group and prayed uh, at lunch every day. And just celebrating all the miracles that took place over the course of this week. It's been wonderful. But here's what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 15. He said, truly, you are a God who hides himself. And in this, he, he's not writing to unsaved people. He's writing to the people of God. And I found in my life, and, and we talked about this last week, that my relationship with God seems to be this gigantic game of hide and seek. God hides himself. I seek him out. About the time I find him, he goes and hides again. And now I have to go seek him. And then he goes and hide. when I find him, he goes and hides again. And it's, in this, and it's this game. And, and I just think that God loves this. Because he said, it's the glory of God to hide a thing, but it's the glory of man to search it out or to seek it out. So, so when God hides himself, and then you go in search of himself, and he reveals himself to you, there is glory for him in that, and there is glory for you. It builds you up in the process. It, it creates more relationship with him in your life in the seeking. It's in the seeking. His whole design was he was he's creating opportunities for us to seek him. God loves for us to seek him. And... Um, Here's what he said in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. You will seek me and find me. Everybody say, find me. Find you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So last week we asked a couple of questions. Then the first question was this. Are you looking in the right places? If you're looking for God and you're really seeking God, are you looking in the right places? And, and there were four places that I told you you can often find God. There are other places you can find Him, but if you're looking for God, these are the first four places I would look. Number one, in church. Find yourself a, a church that's filled with the presence of God, the life-giving presence of God, and time and time again when you show up. When you show up at Triumph on Sunday morning, I want you to feel God. I want you to find God. I, I want you to know that when you, left, when you left here today, when you leave here today, you leave knowing that I encountered God on a Sunday. Number two is in small groups. We look, at, we look at the life of Jesus, and, and we see story after story where he's with a small group of people, and he's in their presence. He, he even said, where two or three gather in my name, there I am in your midst. And so when there, there are small groups, and you know, it, it's time for, we're signing up. I think today is the last day to sign up to be a small group host. I'm just challenging you uh, to be a small group host. See Pastor Brandon at the uh, connection desk out front and get signed up today. But get into a small group. You'll find when two or three people are gathered together seeking God, he shows up. He shows up. Um, number three, 
is in helping people. If you'll get involved in serving people, ministering and helping to hurting people, reaching out and doing good in your life, doing the work of Jesus in your world. If you get involved in serving in the, in the dream team here, you'll find that while serving, you'll look up and God will be serving right along beside you. And then number four is in prayer. And this is what 21 days of prayer was all about. It's not just about, well, we want to pray corporately. It is, but it's also creating a lifestyle of prayer where we're, we're constantly seeking God. We're constantly looking for Him. And here's what He promises. When you seek me with all of your heart, you will be found by me. So are you looking in the right place? Second question we asked is this, are you seeking with all of your heart? Now last week I talked to you about, and, and I, I was comforted to know that my kids were not the only ones, that when I tell them to go find something, they come back in like five minutes later and they didn't really look. Right? I kid you not, Monday was the first day of school for my kids. Now last Sunday, I talked about this. You, many of you were here, you remember me talking about my kids going in, not really going in search of things. Monday, my son comes home from school. He had had to meet, uh, meet the teacher the week before or where you go and drop off all of your stuff. He puts everything in his locker. He comes home. So Monday is his first day of school. He comes home. As soon as he gets off the bus, he comes in. Dad, someone stole half of my school supplies. <laughs> this is a true story. Dad, someone stole half of my school supplies. I said, son, no one stole your school supplies. Like, who was there? Like, did the, did the janitor steal them? Was the principal coming by and like filling up his office with, with school supplies and took the best of everybody's? Like, no, no one stole your school supplies on, before the first day of school. It just didn't happen. He's like, Dad, I'm telling you, they are gone. They're not in my locker. I said, well, did you check your trapper keeper thing? How many, remember, how many had a trapper keeper when you were here? Trapper keeper. They don't call them that anymore. They got like fancy names for them. A trapper keeper. And so he's like, yeah, dad, I, I looked there. I said, son, I'd be willing to bet it's down in there somewhere. There's multiple zippers. You're just going to have to go dig. Dad, I'm telling you, it's gone. Someone stole it. I said, Randy, go get your trapper keeper. <laughs> and look, I kid you not, he walks in the living room, opens it up. Sure enough, all of his supplies are down in his trapper keeper. He walks back in, he's smiling, he's like, Dad, you were right, they were all in there. And I'm like, son, I just preached on this yesterday. <laughs> and I used you as an illustration. <laughs> and clearly you didn't listen, so now you're going to make the next sermon. So in the recap, <laughs> in the recap of last week. <laughs> but let me just encourage you, you know, seek God with all of your heart. If you, if you glanced one time, you went to one service and you didn't find him, don't quit looking, don't quit searching. You prayed one time as you were falling asleep or you prayed right before you ate and you felt like you thought, man, this is the time for me to feel God. That's not the time for you to feel God. That's the time for you to feel your belly and ask God to send the calories to the skinny person next to you. <laughs> but, but keep on seeking God with all of your heart and you will find him. Can I get an amen this morning? Now, I want to pick up right here. And I'm, I'm going to get back to my notes. But, but I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 30. You will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. So the Lord, listen to this. The Lord must wait for you to come to him so that he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God and blessed are those who wait for his help. I want you to note this right here. No, stay right there in verse 18 for me. I want you to know, the Lord, he, 
This whole time. He wants to bless you. He wants to show you love and compassion. He wants to be involved in your life. He wasn't waiting on the time to be right. He wasn't waiting on the seasons to be right. He was waiting on you to come to Him. This is, what, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He said, he said, tell my people that I have to wait on them. There are some things in your life that God isn't just going to give to you automatically. You have to go to Him for them. He'll give them freely. The great thing about God is He loves to give good gifts. He, he loves to give free gifts, but you do have to come to Him. He's not going to search you down and seek you out in, in all of your stuff and all of your ways and just give it to you. He's been waiting on you. Look, see that word must right there? It implies it's a command. This is a command that God has that He cannot violate. The Lord Himself must wait for you to come. I want to talk to you today about the blessings that come your way when you find God. Last week I was convincing you that you'll, I wanted to convince you that you'll find Him. But today I want to talk to you about what will happen when you find Him. Does that sound good? How many of you want to know what will happen if you can find God in, in your life? Father, I thank you for your presence that's here today. I thank you that we get to love you. We get to know you. We get to be involved in, in, in your kingdom, and you, get, you are involved in our life. We welcome you into this place, oh God. We came here to seek you, and I know, God, that today we have found you. So I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. Do something great in our hearts today. I love you, God, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, and the people said, amen. 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 Before we dive into this, um, I, I want to give you just a little bit of con uh, context because here's the thing. There are blessings when we come and find God. There are also consequences when we leave God out of our life. And so I want to give you some context to what God is saying here. I, I picked up literally in the middle of the chapter, but I, we want to go back to chapter the verse 1. And, and I want to share with you what God is doing. So, big picture, uh, King David had taken the 12 tribes of Israel and he had combined them into one kingdom. But after he, he died, and then after Solomon, over the course of the years, the 12 tribes of Israel became divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, which was 10 tribes, was called Israel. The southern kingdom, which was made up of two tribes and part of a third, it was made up of the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, and part of the Levites. The Levites was the tribe of the priests. They didn't have an allotment of land. They were given a piece of everyone's tribe, uh, everyone's land. And, and so there was part, part of the Levites, there was the Benjamin and the tribe of Judah. And this southern kingdom was called Judah. Now, I want you to understand this is important because as you read throughout Scripture, we use certain terminologies that are accurate for one point in history, but not accurate for another point in history. So when, when Isaiah is speaking here, he is speaking to Judah. He is not speaking to the Israelites. The reason he's not speaking to the Israelites is because that's the northern kingdom. So what's happening right now is the Assyrians are invading 
both the northern and the southern kingdoms. They're invading the northern kingdom of Israel, and they're invading the southern kingdom of Judah. So when he's writing this, he's writing it to Judah. So for instance, and, and we'll back up even more, um, there are, throughout Scripture, we use certain terms to refer to the people of God. We use the term Hebrew. How many of you have ever heard the term Hebrew? Right? So for instance, Abraham was a Hebrew, but Abraham was not an Israelite, and Abraham was not a Jew. Now, he might be the father of our faith, but he is not a Jew, nor is he an Israelite. Why? Because it was, it was uh, Abraham's grandson that became Israel, from which the 12 tribes of Israel that we refer to the Israelites came from. So you can't call Abraham an Israelite when Israel was two generations later. Are you tracking with me? He also was not a Jew because Jews are where we get are, are, are from the tribe of Judah or the, tri, the, 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 the southern kingdom of Judah and Benjamin. So we call them Jews. So Abraham was not a Jew because Judah wasn't even born yet. Are you tracking with me? Uh, you take, for instance, Israel. Israel, or, uh, or Jacob was what his name was first called. He was a Hebrew and he was an Israelite because he was Israel. But he was not a Jew because his son was a Jew. Now, you take and you, you go on down and you go to, for instance, um, uh, you know, King David. King David, or, or Jesus, if you will, they were from Abraham, so they were Hebrews. Uh, Jesus was from Israel, but you wouldn't refer to Jesus as an Israelite. You would refer to Jesus as a Jew because the nation of Israel was gone at this point. And so Jesus was called a Jew because he was from the tribe of Judah. You tracking with me? A little history lesson here. I know, I know we like to learn. So here it is. Now, coming back to the story. The Assyrians are attacking and they have, they have conquered the northern kingdom. They have conquered Israel. And they're just about to invade Judah, the southern kingdom. And Judah has a decision to make. Remember, Israel was the bigger tribe. It was the more people. There were 10 tribes there. There were only two in Judah. And so they looked up and they realized, we cannot defeat the Assyrian army by ourselves. What are we going to do? They make a decision to form an alliance or make a treaty with Egypt and try to convince Egypt, which was one of the great world powers of the day, to come and fight along their side to fight off the Assyrians. Seems like a reasonable idea, right? You're the small country, let's make a treaty or an alliance with a bigger country, and together we'll, we'll drive out the enemy. We pick up in verse 1. Here's God's response to their decision. What sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord? You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit. Notice spirit is there is capitalized, referring to the Holy Spirit. Thus piling up your sins. For without consulting me, you have gone down to Egypt for help. You have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You have tr tried to hide in his shade. But by trusting Pharaoh, you will be humiliated. 
And by depending on him, you will be disgraced. For though his power extends to Zoan and his officials have arrived in Hanes, all who trust in him will be ashamed. He will not help you. Instead, he will disgrace you. Right off the bat, God's response to this decision, which seems like a wise decision. We're going to get overrun, so let's go get help. Let's just not all stay here and die. Let's get help. But the problem was they didn't consult God. And right off the bat, God says, you're rebellious children. He says, you're piling up sins. Now, when we think of sin, we, we normally think of sin as, as the big sins, the, the big ten. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Have no other gods before me. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. You know, don't steal. And if we're not doing any of those, then we're probably okay in the sin department. But here, here is God letting us in on, an, on another window of what sin is in our lives. Because the truth of the matter is this. We have saints that are full of sin and we don't even know it. We confuse being a good person with what it means to be a real follower of Jesus. If I don't do this, if I, if, I, if I don't drink and I don't do drugs and I don't smoke and I don't lie and I don't cheat and I have a good marriage and I pay my taxes and I don't, and I don't speed, well, then I'm a good Christian. No, 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 that's not the case. It starts with a relationship with God, but we can do all the good people things and yet, just like the children of, of, of Israel or the, or the Judah here, we can be sinning and yet sitting on the front row of church and worshiping God. Here's what he says. Here, here are the sins that, that he says they did. First of all, they made plans contrary to God. Let me ask you this question. Are you making plans contrary to the plans of God? God's telling you to do one thing, and you're doing something else. God's telling you to go here, and you're going there. Are you making plans contrary to the plans of God? This is what God called rebellious. We think, we think the rebels are all out there, you know, young people being rebellious. Not rebellious. No, no, God's talking to his people. He's talking to the church and saying, look, you're, you're my rebellious children when, when you are making plans contrary to me. He goes on and he says, uh, you're, you're sinning when you make alliances not directed by the Holy Spirit. When you partner with people that God has not called you to partner with. For the business people in the room, uh, I, I believe that partnerships are a big key to uh, accomplishing everything that God has in your life and in your business. But who you partner with should be directed by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you even one uh, more than that. Who you marry is not just based on who you happen to like or who you happen to be attracted to. But it is an alliance, it is a covenant that should be directed by God. And if we make alliances, if we make covenants, if we get into partnerships that are not directed by God, here's the thing, it's not just a bad idea. God calls it a sin. It's going to get better later. For those of you that are mean-mugging me right now, it's going to get better here in a minute. Number three, 
when you don't even consult God. You see, they knew they needed help. They knew they needed ideas. We understand that, 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 that the Bible tells us that there is wisdom in the multitude of counsel. But the problem is, the first person you counsel should be God. Can I tell you that you shouldn't counsel your spouse before you counsel with God? You shouldn't counsel with your pastor before you counsel with God. You should not consult with your best friend before you should consult with God. You should consult with people in your life and and get a wisdom of a, a, a multitude of counsel in your life. But it should start and end with consulting God. Are you consulting God? And, and, and in our 21 days of prayer, this is part of my encouragement to you. There's a, there's a statement that I've read and that I've, that I've preached to you that, um, that prayer shouldn't be our last resort, but it should be our first option. Right? Go, yeah, go, going to God shouldn't be the last thing on our list. Well, I've tried everything else, so let me go to God. Now, no, no, it's the first thing. I want to consult with God first. Are you tracking with me? And these are the things that God called sin in the hearts of his people. He said, you are rebellious children because you're doing these things. You're making plans that are contrary to my plans. You're making alliances not directed by my Holy Spirit. And you are not even consulting me. The big decision you made this week, did you consult God on it? Did you make an alliance that was not directed by the Holy Spirit? Did you make a plan that was contrary to God's plan? I love what he says here in verse 1. You are piling up your sins. Consider that. We come into church thinking we had a good week. And God's looking down on us and realizes that we have sin piled up that we're dragging with us everywhere we go. Judah recognized they needed help, but they turned to the wrong places. It's a sin to reject God. It is a sin to put our trust in someone else that is not Him. Have you put your trust in people rather than God? Let me ask you this. Have you put your trust in yourself rather than God? So the next thing they do is they try to buy Egypt's protection. Remember, this is a message from God. So Isaiah is speaking these words, but this message is coming from God. Listen to what he says. This message came to me concerning the animals in the Negev. Now God's going to talk about the animals. They're carrying gold and silver and valuables from Judah to Egypt to try to buy Egypt's protection. And here's what God says. The caravan moves slowly across the terrible desert to Egypt. Donkeys weighed down with riches riches, and camels loaded with treasure. All to pay for Egypt's protection. They travel through the wilderness, a place of lionesses and lions, a place where vipers and poisonous snakes live. All this, and watch, Egypt will give you nothing in return. Here's what God's saying. I feel sorry for the animals. They are wasting their life carrying gold and silver and precious items to pay for something to try to buy protection from Egypt, and Egypt's promises are worthless. They're not going to do anything to help you. Not only are they wasting their life, they're putting their own life in danger. Look, they're walking through lands where, where a snake could bite them at any moment and the, and the animal dies. Or, or a lion could leap out and attack the camel and the camel gives up his life. And here's, here's what God is saying. This is such a bad idea. I feel bad for the animals because they didn't get a choice in the matter. Right. 
Egypt's promises are worthless. Therefore, I call her Rahab, the harmless dragon. Who's he referring to? Egypt. Now, in, something interesting here. The, the word Rahab uh, is, is a word that has been translated in a couple of different ways. You have to understand in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, Egypt refers to the world's systems, the world's ways. It was, it was the biggest influencer of the world. It was the biggest world power in that day. It, it represents the ways of the world. So symbolically in Scripture, when you, when you read about Israel trusting in Egypt, it means that they are trusting in the ways of the world. But Rahab, uh, the, the harmless dragon, was a mythical sea monster. And this mythical, mythical sea monster represents chaos. So, so here's what God is saying. He's saying, look, you're putting your trust in the ways of the world, but what they're going to end up in is chaos. If your life is in chaos today, if everything seems to be going all different directions and nothing is in order and it's all out of control and it's just spinning and, and, you, and you can't seem to make sense of anything, it's just a bunch of chaos, my, my challenge to you is to ask yourself, have you put your trust in the wrong place. The other thing that the word Rahab means, it's the Hebrew word for pride. In fact, in the book of Psalms, chapter 87, the psalmist referred to Egypt as pride. He called them Rahab. He called them pride. Because of the ways of the world is a way of pride that says our way is best. Our way, do it like us and you'll get what we get. And so it's not just that we put trust in the way of the world, but you know what pride is? Putting trust in your own self. So you trust in yourself. Pride leads to chaos, and chaos leads to destruction. That's why the Bible can say that pride comes before destruction. So, so what God is trying to say to his people here, you're, you're going about it and you're sinning and you're doing all these things and you're going a different direction and you're not listening to me. But if you would, you would understand that the road you're on, I feel sorry for the animals because they're wasting life. They're wasting their life and it's going to end up in Judah being destroyed anyway. Everything you're trying to do to get ahead, everything you're trying to do to save the situation, everything you're trying to do to save your marriage, everything you're trying to do to save your kids, everything that you're trying to do to save your business, everything you're trying to do to save your job, if you're trusting in the ways of the world, it's going to end in destruction anyway. Verse 8, it's got serious in here. I promise it's going to get better. There's another way. I just want to encourage you not to go this way first. Now go and write down these words. Write them in a book. They will stand until the end of time as a witness that these people are stubborn rebels who refuse to pay attention to the Lord's instructions. My encouragement to you today is don't be a stubborn rebel that refuses to pay attention to the Lord's, uh, uh, the Lord's instructions. But listen today. Learn from the Word of God and go out of this place and do something different in your life. They tell the seers, stop seeing visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Don't preach on this part of the scripture, Pastor Randy. Just stay on the blessing part. We like that part. 
Pastor, we don't like it when you get too serious. We don't like it when you get too deep into the Word because that is difficult and we don't really want to make those changes. What we want is the life the way we want it. You just tell us nice things. No, when we preach Scripture out of balance, it's heresy. There is another side to this life. There is another side of the coin. Yes, the blessings of God are huge. Yes, the promises of God are huge. But there is another way. And it's not that God is trying to curse you, but when he removes your, his hand from your life, there are consequences that go along with your actions. You see, the people of God, they wanted religion, but they didn't want the living God to be real in their lives. They wanted to come and feel good. Does this sound like any Christians you know? I want to go to church and I just want to feel good when I leave. I, I want to go to church and I just want to be happy. You know what? I want you to be all those things. And I believe at the end of the day today, today, you will feel full of hope and joy and excitement for what God has in your life. But here's what God is saying. Sometimes you got to hear the hard things too. And these people didn't want that. They wanted religion, something to make them feel good, but they didn't want the living God to be real in their lives. They didn't want to turn over control to him. They didn't want to really be with him and walk with him and follow him. That's not what they wanted. Verse 15. Are y'all okay this morning? This is the reply of God. Because you despise what I tell you and you trust instead in oppression and lies. Understand that when you trust in the world, when we trust in our own self, we are trusting in oppression and lies. God is saying this because they had already gone to Egypt and Egypt had already oppressed them once. And Pharaoh had already lied to them time and time and time again about letting the people go. God is not speaking prophetically here only. He's saying, look what you've already been through in your life. My encouragement to you is this. You've already tried the way of the world. Don't get mad at God when he tells you it's not going to end like you want it to end. Calamity will come on you suddenly like a bulging wall that bursts and falls. In an instant, it will collapse and come crashing down. You will be smashed like a piece of pottery shattered so completely that there won't be a piece big enough to carry coals from a fireplace or a little water from the well. This is what the Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. I love this. There's another way, but it involves returning to God and resting in God. When we return to God, we return to Him in, in, in our relationship with Him. We return to Him in our way, in His ways, and we walk in His ways. We rest in freedom, relief from our fears, relief from our worries, re- relief from our struggles. Why? Because He's in control. In quietness and confidence is your strength. In quietness, I love this. When, when you're on God's side, stop arguing with God, stop arguing with the devil, and stop arguing with people. You're on God's side. Just let it be. Trust in Him. Walk in Him in quietness. And then He said, and, and in confidence. Why? Because when we're with Him, He will come through. In, and we just have this faith that God is going to come through. I love this verse 16. And uh, as you know, I'm a little sarcastic in my life. So when Scripture has sarcasm in it, it always speaks to me. L- listen to what God says here. You said, no, we will get our help from Egypt. They will give us swift horses for riding into battle. But the only swiftness you are going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you down. 
I love it. God's like, you thought you had a good idea and you were going to get fast horses. The only thing fast you're going to see is the enemy chasing you down. What you thought you were going to use against him, he's going to turn around and use it against you. One of them will chase a thousand of you. Five of them will make you all flee. You will be left like a lonely flagpole on a hill or, ta- or a tattered banner on a distant mountaintop. This is interesting here because it is a reversal of a promise from Leviticus chapter 26, verse 8. And guys, if you have that verse, if you'll throw it up for me. It's a reversal. And God had already given this promise. Here's what he said. Five of you, when you're walking with me, when you're walking in my ways, five of you will chase a hundred. And a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword. How many think that's a great promise? Yeah, it is. That's an outstanding promise, but it comes when we're walking in the ways of God, when we're walking in obedience to him. But on the, re- the reversal of that, Isaiah gives the flip side of this promise. And, and if you'll go back to that verse with me, he said, look, one of them will chase a thousand of you and five of them will make you all flee. If you are on my side, one of you will make thousands flee and, and, and you'll make tens of thousands flee with just a few of you. But if you're on the other side, you're all going to flee by just a few of them. There's only two sides to this deal. We, th- we, really, we really want to be in the middle. We, we, we understand there's God's side and we understand there's the enemy's side, but we want our side, which is where we kind of love God, but we do our life the own, our own way. We, we, we want to say we're Christians, but we really want to do life our own way. And God is constantly throughout Scripture reminding us that there are only two sides to deal this deal. There's his side and then there's the other side. And if you're on his side, it only takes a few of you to drive out the enemy. But if you're on the other side, you're going to end up losing. Wow. God, I I don't want to pile up my sins. How many many times in my life, and maybe you, if you're being honest here today, as the Holy Spirit is working in our midst, and and one of the things I love about the Holy Spirit is, is he convicts us not to make us um, feel horrible and ashamed about ourselves, but he convicts us because he wants to heal us and bring us closer to him. So he illuminates things and he exposes things in our heart because the heart is a wicked thing and who, no man can know it, but God can know it. And so when we talk about this, what, what plans have you made that are contrary to God's? What alliances have you made that were not directed by the Holy Spirit? How many times this week, this month, this year, Did you just not consult God? Lord, don't let me pile up my sins, but instead, I love this. We come back to where we started today, verse 18. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him. If if you're in the room today, and, and you just know in your heart, and you don't have to raise your hand, you don't even have to tell the person next to you, but in your heart, you know you've made these mistakes. You you have sinned against God in these ways. This is all God's waiting for, for, is for you to come to him. So you must come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. I want to give you really quickly five blessings. And I want you to write these down because I want to convince you that if you can go and find God, you'll find these things. Number one, verse 19. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. 
He will be gracious to you if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. The first blessing is the blessing of grace. It's the blessing of grace. God wants to give you grace in your life. The, the, the first thing that the enemy does is, and, and I love that, that God stops, he starts right here. Because what the enemy wants to do is convince us that this big pile of sin we have makes us unworthy to come to God. It makes us a person that God doesn't love. We've been rebellious and he's angry at us. I want you to hear these words from me this morning. And if you're watching online, I want to look right into the camera. And I want you to hear these words. God is not angry at you. He's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He's not trying to punish you. He's just waiting on you to come to him. And the first blessing that God is going to give you is a blessing of grace. Grace to cover all of your sins. Gr grace to pull you out of the situation you're in. The grace to give you the power to do his will no matter what the situation is. The first thing, like, and I love this about God. He's not going to, there, there's some good stuff coming at the end. But he said, the first thing I want to give you is grace because I know what's going to happen. You're going to come in full of shame. But my grace is going to drive out the shame in your life. If you're dealing with shame here today, I want you to know the first blessing of coming to God is the grace that drives out the shame. You don't have to be ashamed when you come before God, but we, we come boldly before the throne of God. That's what we do. If you need grace in your life, grace for your situation, grace for your struggles, grace for the problems that you're going through, grace for the shame, that I just want you to know God is releasing that into your life today. You came here searching him, you found him, and he's giving you grace. Can I say, get an amen for some grace in your life this morning. Number two in verse 20, he says, though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, he will be with you to teach you and you will see your teacher with your own eyes. The second blessing is the blessing of presence. Even though you're going through difficult times, even though you're going through troubles, look what he says. It, he gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, but even in the middle of the test, he was always right there with you. There is nothing in your life, there is no place you can go that if you're not following God, his presence won't be with you. But we have to say, like, like our, the heroes of our faith said, I won't go anywhere that your presence doesn't go with me. I won't go anywhere that your presence is. And, and I just want you to know that God wants to be with you always. And when you turn to him, he's going to bless you with his presence. You wake up in the morning. I don't, I, I'm just, I just want to speak over your life that when you wake up tomorrow morning, you're not going to wake up to chaos in the morning, but you're going to wake up to the presence of God. You know what? Why don't you change the alarm on your, on your alarm clock to something, to some worship song, and when you wake up, it's setting the tone from before you open your eyes, and the presence of God starts to fill your room and fill your home. Well, I don't know about you, but that sounds a whole lot better than chaos. It's a blessing of presence. Number three, in verse uh, and 21, and, and not only presence, but he wants to give you the ability to learn. And then 21, he said, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Let me ask you this question. 
maybe, maybe you want to raise your hand. How many by show of hands are needing some guidance in your life? You're trying to make some decisions and you need help. Okay, here's the blessing for you today. It's the blessing of guidance. And as God is going to show you to the right or he's going to show you to the left, he's going to speak right into your ear. You're going to have the ability to hear God. If you're seeking answers today, this is what I'm, I'm prophesying into your life. You're going to hear God right behind you. And he's going to say, go to the right, go to the left. Sign this contract. Don't sign that contract. Make that decision. Don't make that decision. He's begin, going to begin to speak to you. Why? Because you came to him. It's a blessing of guidance. And then he inserts something here in verse 22. Because when we realize how good God is, it's, it's kind of at this point where we receive the grace of God. And then we get the, we're all in the, the presence of God. And then he starts guiding us. Somewhere along the way we stop. And it makes us want to do something. Verse 22. Then you will destroy all your silver idols and your precious gold images, and you will throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, good riddance. Notice what he says this word, then. Then you'll do it. You don't have to get your whole life right before God gives you grace. You don't have to give your whole life right before you get into the presence of God. You don't have to get your whole life right before he starts speaking to you and leading you and guiding you. But in the process, when you understand his grace and you feel his presence and he starts leading you and guiding you, one of the things he leading, leads you to is to removing the idols from your life. The things that are pulling you away from God and suddenly they see him. You know what I, you know what I found in, in 21 days of prayer? The more I get around God, the more I like the person God's turning me into. The more I fall in love with myself, the more I'm with him, the more I love me. And it makes me want to put away the things that are distracting me from God. It's not hard for me to say no to this. It's not hard for me to say no to that. Why? Because I've been with God and I like myself a whole lot better. I'm a much better father and I'm a much better husband and a much better friend and a much better person and a, and a much better pastor and a much better boss because I've been with Jesus. And it makes me want to say, I've got to get rid of the idols in my life. And then we keep going. I know that uh, in, in a young generation, there is a reaction to the prosperity movement in the, in the gospel and, the, and that we don't want to talk about material blessings, but God talks about them right here. He says, I'm going to give you material blessings. It's not all about this. It's not all about this. He started with grace first, but God does want to bless your life. He said, look, then the Lord will bless you with rain at planting time. There will be wonderful harvests and plenty of pasture land for your livestock. The young oxen and donkeys that till the ground will eat good grain. It's chaff blown away by the wind. And that day when your enemies are slaughtered and the towers fall, there will be streams of water flowing. You've got to understand here that God is now talking about material blessings in your life. He said, I'm going to send the rain. There's going to be growth in your life. Things that you need to grow are going to grow. He said, look, there, there, are going to be, there are going to be harvest in your life, great harvest in your life. There's, there's going to be plenty. Where you have been with lack, there's going to be plenty. Some of us say, well, Pastor Renner, I feel like I've wasted my seed. I, I, I've been trying to plant my seed, but it's been wasted. I've tried to sow love and, and respect into my marriage, but it's still a problem. I want you to know that God is not going to waste your seed, but he's going to send rain in its season, and your marriage is going to turn around. So Pastor Ren and I, I've been sowing and I've been planting my seed. I've been trying to be faithful in my tithe and offering and it doesn't seem like it's working. You keep doing what you're supposed to do and God is going to give you rain and your seed is going to grow into a great harvest. You 
you thought your seed was wasted. It hasn't been wasted. Great harvest for your, I'm just, I'm just speaking over your life, a big return on your investments. A big return on your investments. Um, he goes on and he talks about property. Your cattle are going to have tons of land to, to, to graze on. Property. Uh, Pastor Lindsay and I are trying to buy a house this week. We signed a contract on a house this week, and I need your prayer. But I, I just believe this is what God wants to bless me with. This is part of the process. I'm not all about material things. You know that about me. But in this instance, I believe God wants to bless our, our family. He talks about the cattle and the oxen and the donkeys. What's he talking about? He's talking about business. If you have a business in the room, God wants to bless your business. It's part of his blessing when you come to him. And then number five is water. This is just, this is your life. This is the joy. This is the, the refreshing part of your life. If you've been dry and empty in your life, God wants to give you refreshing and happiness on every side. And then number five, this is the last blessing. He says, so it will be when the Lord begins to heal his people and cure the wounds. The fifth blessing is the blessing of healing. You're broken. You're hurting. God wants to heal you. He's going to take care of you. Pastor Anna, you don't know what I've been through. I don't. He does. Because he was there with you all along. He was taking care of you. As bad as it was, God was protecting you from the worst. And now he's going to heal you. He's going to cure your wounds. He's going to put you back together again. God has a great blessing, but he cannot release that blessing until you make the change. He must wait for you to come to him. It's easy as Christians, to, we get so busy doing that we stop seeking. We get so busy doing life that we stop seeking God. We get so busy doing the work of God that we stop seeking God. Grace, presence, guidance, material blessings, and the blessing of healing. I want to to release these into your life today. If you come here today and you need one of these, would you just stand with me? I want to pray for you. Just kind of an act to say, God, I'm here and I, I I need your help in one area of my life or the other. Father, you see every person in the room that's standing. You see our hearts that are coming for you today. Lord, we repent for the times when we made plans that are contrary to you. We repent for making alliances without consulting with your Holy Spirit. Father, we we repent for not talking to you in the first place, for listening to the people in our lives, but never coming to you. Lord, we repent and we come back to you today. Lord, I ask that you would release these blessings upon your people, these promises from the Word of God, that when we come to you, Lord, I am speaking grace into the lives of your people. For those that are struggling with shame right now, the shame is broken off of their life as grace covers everything. Lord, I am speaking your presence over our lives. Everywhere you go, may we go with your presence. Father, we won't go one place that your presence doesn't go. Lord, I I pray a a blessing of guidance for those that are seeking answers, needing to know what to do. Is it yes or is it no? Lord, do we go or do we stay? Do we buy or do we sell? What do we do, God? God. Lord, I am speaking right now a blessing of guidance 
Lord, help us to remove the idols in our life, the things that are pulling us away from you. And Lord, bless us with with all the things in our life that you've promised, the, the material blessings that may not matter to anyone else but God, but they matter to us and they matter to you. Release the blessings of God upon your people. And then, Father, heal us. Heal us right now. Lord, you're healing broken hearts. Lord, those that have struggled, those that are dealing with worry, those that are dealing with stress and anxiety right now, those whose hearts are broken, Lord, I pray that you would heal right now. Lord, I pray for those that have been abused, those that have been victims, those that have been wronged in their life. Heal them right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.